from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? Welcome into the CSG podcast. Ross, hipsters, glasses, Martin is down at Dove Valley trying to figure out if the Broncos hired Vance Joseph or Vance Johnson. And with me, as always, makes his way all the way down here from Thornton the King himself, Jeff Morton. I probably would have liked it more if they hired Vance Johnson. <laughs> Vance Johnson. <laughs> yes, yes, not, not Vance Joseph. Vance. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Obviously, the, the Broncos have a new head coach. We won't delve too deep into that because every other media outlet covers that extensively. Uh, the Denver Nuggets played a game in old London town, blew out the Indiana Pacers. What was the score? 200 to 0, yeah, pretty much? It was. Uh, the Pacers looked awful. Uh, the Nuggets also had some interesting comments after the game. Uh, Michael Malone, uh, Kenneth Fareed among them. Um, lots of stuff to get into, I guess. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, briefly back to uh, what you're talking about with the Broncos and the, everyone in covering them. If, you f- if, if anyone had a timeline that featured any sort of Nuggets, excuse me, a, a Broncos writer or any columnist in Denver who is associated even remotely with the Broncos, you would see this procession of the exact same quote come at least 15 times. And then, again, it was like pages and pages of quotes that were the same thing over and over and over again. I'd always think about that, too. Like, obviously, when we go to Nuggets press conferences, you know, like, so you always try to maybe if you're maybe not try to pick out the most obvious stuff to tweet out, you know, like, that's what I want my guys to to work hard. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, oh, I, this guy's a real go-getter. That's what I try to do. I mean, because when I, when I say I, I will par, I'm the king of paraphrasing on Twitter. Twitter. I will say. Well, I saw some people yesterday, some reporters using exact quotation marks and not having exact quotations inside them, which Ooh. really pisses me off because I'm like, hey, dickhead, that's that's, that's not a quote. It's not a quote. <laughs> it's a paraphrase. Paraphrasing. I always go Malone colon and then blah 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 yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I I never do. The exact quote, because I know that there's 16 cameras filming it, and you can get the exact quote there. When I get it on Twitter, it's like a paraphrase from my point of view. I don't misquote them. I just say what he's saying, the gist. And then we, but but seeing that Broncos presser, I didn't even watch it. And every time I loaded onto Twitter, there was just pages of the same thing. Here's what it made was me really upset. irritating. I got upset during the Broncos press conference. I first started on Channel 7. I was just trying to find it, first of all, because I saw on Twitter Broncos press conference about to start. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'd like to tune in, you know, check this out. So I turn on Channel 7, and they show, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe a minute of the press conference, maybe two. Yeah. And they cut away and say, if you'd like to watch more, go to our Facebook page. It's on Facebook Live. And I'm like, well, I have a 60-inch TV in front of me. <laughs> I think I'll just find somebody else local that's viewing this. So I turn on Channel 9, and Channel 9 has uh, the press conference on for another about maybe four or five minutes. And then they do the same thing. They cut away and say, if you'd like to see more, it's on our webpage, 9news.com. So I go to 9news.com. Guess what? Not there. Couldn't find it. So I click on the button that says, like, watch now or whatever, and then it shows me, like, some ad for something for a while and then it like goes from the ad to some kind of commercial so i just turned it off i was like hey, the fuck is this? this isn't the press conference at all well you know the broncos and i, I noticed this so screw you technology yeah i noticed Screwed this about one. the their they really have those guys who cover them like regimented 
I mean, it is. It, I have never seen something so like everyone says the same thing in my life. You know, sometimes you can go. I mean, to give like just a very, very cursory overview of dealing with media. A lot of times in a press conference, you will get like, you know, a guy doing a presser, and then they will talk to you afterwards, and they'll talk to you privately and do all this stuff. You get other things, and um, coffee. <laughs> we get we're, we're drinking coffee. It's uh, it's the our uh, our podcasts are a lot smoother when we're not drinking. It's gonna be the Colorado old guys. Yes, podcast. it is. <laughs> we're gonna be drinking uh, Enfamil here soon. Or no, Enfamil. That's uh, that's kid stuff. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, I think you're talking about uh, insure me. Insure, but you will get like you know people coming out afterwards, and they'll give you some other things, like additional info, like things to color in statements that were made before. With the Broncos, it is like everyone says the same thing. Everyone sticks to the same thing, and everything is very, very regimented, almost, almost with military precision. I like how upset, uh, like Vic Lombardi is getting upset with Broncos reporters for not asking about why Wade Phillips is being let go. Oh yeah, and he couldn't seem to get a satisfactory answer as to as to why <laughs> as to why Wade wasn't going to be. And he there. was obviously he couldn't be there. He was at the Altitude Studios in Centennial doing the pregame show from for London. Uh, uh, it, that was just kind of a funny thing, and I, I find myself doing that too. Like I'll be watching some Nuggets thing and be like, "Why didn't anybody ask this?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not there, so I can't really complain <laughs> that much." <laughs> hey, why didn't you ask? Oh, I always get that too. Why but didn't like you I'm... ask Malone why he is a terrible coach? <laughs> hey, you suck. <laughs> well, let's talk about you suck. <laughs> as soon let's as I, as soon as that would come out of my mouth, <laughs> three of the people who work in the Nuggets PR department would tackle me. And it would just it would end poorly. So this is why those things don't happen, and you don't ask rude questions in pressers. So uh, anyway, but it's it's back on to the the uh, Nuggets. Uh, they did play yeah, a game so yesterday. Vance Joseph, do you think yeah. he'll be any good? I have no idea. Only thing I know about Vance Joseph was I vaguely recall him being a backup quarterback to Cordell Stewart and Coy Detmer. Well, yeah, did, wasn't he the quarterback for the fifth down game against Missouri? No, that was Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson, I forgot. Yeah, he was le- he was after. Yeah, oh, he was ninety one. I give out some false info. So he was yesterday. he was like Hagen, Cordell, Detmer. Golly, yeah. I remember him playing some. He played a little. He played a little in ninety one or ninety two. Right. And then there was that. There was that weird. Uh, not weird, but there was that story that the Colorado. I saw re- that retweeted <laughs> from 2005 or republished. I guess you could say that Advanced Joseph. Uh, I don't know, alleging he had sex with a trainer in a sauna and took a couple female staffers home from a bar, and then there was something weird that happened in there. That Lisa Simpson girl was involved in it, wasn't she? Involved in some stuff. Lisa Simpson. Yeah, I think that was right. I don't know. Well, whatever the case. Something crazy there with Vance I, I Joseph where I, I was like, ooh, is this guy, like, tainted? <laughs> what is wrong with I, this guy? I, listen, I, I, there are Can you imagine if the Nuggets hired Mike Malone and then you find out that Malone was investigated for all the sexual harassment stuff? It would be blown up. Yeah. And no. then there wasn't one whisper about it with the Broncos because they're like, wow, he's with the – I saw a statement that the Broncos released that said uh, we did, like, a throw background check into Vance Joseph and – uh, basically what it said, paraphrasing, whatever happened in Boulder has been resolved and he's moved forward from it. Well, who gives a shit if he's moved forward from it? 
he was the one that might have been in trouble for something. I don't know if he was set up or what the deal was with any of that. I didn't really look into it. Well, I mean, if you the I was note- like he moved forward. Well, that's cool. What about yeah. the poor women that may have been harmed? And Vance Joseph, noted woodsman of sex, out in there and uh, out here in the. But don't worry, river. he's moved on. From he's moved on uh, from that. that he may or may not have committed. <laughs> I don't I mean. I don't I, again. Allegedly, with all this stuff, I don't know what happened or anything. Well, you have to say allegedly with all of it, but it was really interesting that that came out. And I would be ninety five percent sure the Broncos either didn't know about it or didn't care. Probably didn't care. Didn't care. Like, well, whatever. You're you're a man. You got and whatever. Isn't there a song about that? It's a man's world. Man's world. Or I'm a man. <laughs> yeah. Am. So I thought that was interesting. I'm, I'm kind of I'm sad to see Wade Phillips go. He kind of felt like the uh, team grandfather that everybody rallied around. Uh, he's now going to L. A. with the Rams. Yeah, with that see a coach. That, He's a Kroenke employee yeah, now? with that coach who's 31 years old. You see that? Yeah, that guy is living the dream, man. Can you believe there's a coach in there who's younger than both of us? Yeah. Well, how old is that Grizzlies owner that's, like, super young? Robert Para. I think he's, like, 35, 36. <laughs> I mean, he owns a team at that age. That's I mean, Josh Kroenke. Josh Kroenke is 36. So I... I, I t- the power that these young men have. Oh, man, I, I... Listen, I... Who is that... I Famous King Tut. What was he, like 13? Yeah, he was like a teenager. It's like 14, 15 years old when he died. Yeah, beat that. McVay, oh, yeah, whatever that guy's name is. I don't think anyone is. can beat that. McShay. What's that guy's name? McVay. Is it McVay? Yeah. Not the M- M- M-C-V-A-Y. Yeah. Or V-E-Y. What whatever. do you think about the Chargers moving to L.A.? Stupid? On, on many levels, including that freaking logo logo that they chose, that clearly someone said, we're moving to L.A., we've got to do something. And then they said, like, we'll copy, copy the Dodgers logo and put a lightning bolt in uh, it. Here, my kid drew this last night. Put that up. It's like, it reminded me of something that would, like, be really, really cool in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Like with uh, those hammer pants. Yeah. yeah. This is like this something like, man, people like, I love that. That is some great stuff right there. And it would, it just... It was just, the whole thing was colossally stupid, and they're going to be playing in a soccer stadium. This is how little regard that people had for the Chargers. You're going to be playing in a soccer stadium for two years. See, that was kind of my thinking, though, back when, uh, as I like to relate everything to the Nuggets. Like, so the Chargers would be playing in front of 30,000, where mm-hmm. the Broncos play, what, in front of about 70,000? 76, yeah. Yeah, and then... I always thought the Nuggets, all right, so they have, we'll, we'll transition to some Nuggets attendance Ooh, talk for a nice, brief moment. Nice transition. I hate talking about it. Uh, so the Nuggets, I always thought, all right, so they're in a 19,000-seat arena. It'd be cool if it was like a 14,000-seat arena, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I, I don't know. i, I got to look up what Phoenix's capacity is with the Suns arena, but it feels much smaller. Like, it feels very intimate and, like, feels really cool and loud. I think they're, like, eighteen. It's less than it's less than Pepsi Center. If you ever if you ever go there, it just feels different because it's like it don't. I, I seem to remember there only being two decks. There's like the lower bowl and the upper bowl, and that's it. There's no like kind of club level deal. But I think it's an old arena. Yeah, it's '90s, um, early '90s. It was made. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cooler to have a, a smaller basketball arena. Well, I especially I, for the Nuggets, you can't seem to get any fans. To show up. I, t- I tell you what, McNichols <laughs> Arena was fun. I enjoyed watching basketball games there. Sight lines were tremendous. And, you know. Here's my, here's my biggest question to Jeff. You'd like to, you're one of the leaders in griping about attendance on Twitter, yes. as we've seen. Um, one of the forerunners. One of, yeah, one of the pioneers. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Out of the, what do you have, a few thousand people that follow you on Twitter? Yeah. How many of those people do you think are not diehard Nuggets fans? Not diehard Nuggets fans? Yeah. Well, let's say out of your, let's say you, let's say I would, I'd venture to guess that 90% of the people that follow you follow you because of your Nuggets content. Yes, I would say that. I, I would say that people who follow the Nuggets die hard, I'd say, I, need, I do have a lot of people who, cover, who like cover other teams follow me. But, I, yeah, I'd say about 75 to 80%. So out of the, let's say on your Twitter feed, 90% are Nuggets fans. Yeah. Out of that 90, you think 75 are diehard Nuggets fans. Right probably. around there, yeah. So you griping about attendance is you just griping to a very niche audience. Of course. Right? And well, the, I mean, most likely, a lot of these fans you're complaining to that don't live in London or Australia or the Philippines, <laughs> where we have tons of people that are <laughs> very curious the about Philippines. <laughs> so if you're griping to fans in Denver, they're probably already diehard fans are going, hey, jerk, I am at most of these games. Mm-hmm. Why are you yelling at me? I, I, and I cheer at these games. Why are you yelling at me about not cheering? I, the the, the ch- not cheering part gets gets to me because anyone who's been to Pepsi Center is just it's just so quiet. So what do you there. what do you what do you dislike more the that there's not a lot of people there or that the people that do go are quiet? I think if uh, the the people that do go are quiet. The, to, if you're going to pay what people constantly complain about in ticket prices, if you're going to pay if you're going to if you're going to pay that price, get your money's worth. I don't, don't sit there and, like, stare at your phone. And that's, like, from my vantage point with, uh, where we're sitting now with uh, the, the press credential, I, I, I look down and, like, everyone's on their phone. And no one is actually paying attention to the game. It's very similar with the Rockies. The Rockies, it's very quiet at Coors Field. And it's it's like no one is actually paying attention to the game. Do you think a Bronco the Broncos have an advantage because fans are typically drunk by the time they walk into the stadium? Yeah, it could be. You can't really t- <laughs> you can't you can't really tailgate before a, a, a you're not yeah you're not game, tailgating at eighty one or forty seven p.m. forty one Nuggets games you know during the year. Well, <laughs> this year forty in Denver, but yeah, I, you're not going to. You're not going to do that. You, that. I think, you know, you jest, but I think that's a, fa- a factor. I mean, that th- has to be somewhat of a factor, right? The, the, but Broncos tickets, I mean, listen. I know a lot of people that come home with a, a pretty wicked hangover after going to Broncos it's, games. Because it's, it, maybe know, you only go to one a year, or maybe you go to two. Yeah, it's an event. Eight. Yeah. There's eight of them. It's, it's an event because so you Sunday, only do it one. you plan your whole weekend around it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to a Nuggets game, a lot of times I'll get – you know, friends or whoever will be like, "Hey, Nate, my ticket just or my work just gave me two tickets to the Nuggets game tonight. You want to go?" I'm like, "Oh shit, six o'clock. Uh, I could probably get down there real quick. Sure, yeah. let's go." Yeah, and you, it, it, you and I are different, and, and even Andy, our our friend, it, it doesn't seem like Nuggets games are as I don't know, maybe they're not as planned out all the time as football games. It's and it's you don't have that day off, daytime. Yeah, it's because there's more of them, and 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 a lot of them are during the week. And there's all that stuff going on, but the problem is that you look at you look at Oakland, and then you think they have two football teams in that market, and they've got uh, a hockey team in San Jose, and they've got two baseball teams, and that arena is packed every night. A lot more people in. The there's a lot more people, but I mean, there's three million people in in the Denver area. They got all the all the gays are going to the games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's not as many gays out here. We we have more money to spend, um, but this is this is 100 percent true. And then you look at that, and then I think what what the players see is they don't look at the nuance of it. They look they look at the fact that they go 
play these games, and they do a big alley-oop dunk, and it's like this smattering of applause. And, and people don't get up and be enthusiastic, and then they go to Oakland where everyone is cheering for everything, and then they cheer to get the momentum, and they're like, why can't we have this here? Why can't we have this here? And, and I think they, what they forget is most NBA markets are not enthusiastically behind their teams at home. Like Minnesota, Minnesota's very quiet. Um, Milwaukee's just, a little louder, you know, but. I just saw something, too, about uh, somebody wrote something today about Rockets fans being frustrated or something, and somebody was saying, people should go watch this Houston team because they're really good. It's like, is Houston having attendance problems? But you no. watch games, like, you watch Heat games, and it's like, is anybody at this Miami Heat game? Like, there's, like, nobody there. And they, once, I, once LeBron left, though, I mean, they didn't, you know, that Mui Caliente didn't really apply anymore down there. And they just they just went to do other things. I mean, it's Miami. You can go to the beach any time of year. You can go skiing in Denver during Nuggets season. You can go skiing. So the other thing, too, for me, I, I never cheer at Nuggets games. If I'm not going as a media member and I'm just sitting in the stands, I re- I cheered when we went to, like, the Mellows Yellows playoff games. Yeah. You know, I went pretty crazy during those times. And I was, you know, younger with a big group of drunks. And that's what we did. We'd go tailgate at Brooklyn's before the playoff games or bronze, you know. And uh, when Bronx was around, and then you you know you'd have some drinks, go to the game, cheer, have fun. Uh, and now though, I don't Boy, all the way back when Bronx was still well, when it was what is it, Brooklyn's now? I think it's closed down. I don't think there's anything there. Really, Brooklyn's has always been Brooklyn's. Oh, that's right. Bronx was next to it. Remember, it turned into like tailgate or something. Oh, that's like right. That. Turned into Kronk tailgate. Yeah, and then now, okay, you're right. It's gone. Jeez, that was a long time ago. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't cheer a lot of games. So I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to gripe about fans not going. It's like you don't, if you want to go to a game, cool. If you want to spend your money and go, that's cool. If you like basketball and you're hesitant to go because you don't know if the Nuggets are any good, just watch a couple games on TV. You'll want to go. It's it. It is just it's it's frustrating because then they complain of that they're not giving any effort at home, and I think people need to. Well, I'm telling you, man. I've been saying this for a while. When it comes to guys re-signing here. They're going to eventually start looking around and saying, do I want to play in front of 3,000 people or do I want to go play for the same money at a sold-out arena? And I think people – I'm going to say this without being mean. It's easy, very easy to be very indignant about your lack of attending games, which is fine. I don't gripe about that. The atmosphere, whether we like it or not, makes a difference. The atmosphere in the arena, especially in basketball, where a lot of it is it's a flow sport and you're depending on a little bit of emotion. I mean, there's 41 home there's, – there's 82 games. There's 41 home games. You're expecting to get pushed through the blahs sometimes. Well, you know it too. I mean, when we watch those Knicks games, when they had Gallo and Chandler, that MSG crowd is the same as Oklahoma City, the same as Golden State. Yep. Probably the same as San Antonio, where not only are they cheering during the big moments, but they're cheering in the moments leading up to the big moments. Yes. Like I've always kind of said, you know, when, you know, if the Warriors ever find themselves down 10 and they hit a three and they're down seven, the fan mm-hmm. starts going ape shit because yep. they feel that run coming and it kind of fuels it. In Denver, it's like, you know, if Denver's, you know, down 10. The, f- the fans start getting loud when it's like a two or three point game. Yeah. And it's like, why, why, why aren't you guys getting loud? Like, well, this moment, you could see the momentum building. Mm-hmm. I just kind of think that the Pepsi Center crowds have not been 
particularly good basketball crowds as far as knowing when to cheer and how to cheer. Even during the 57-win season, it was like do you remember, quiet in Do you there. remember that San Antonio game? And Gallo hit those two threes at the end, and he's like begging the crowd to get into anything. <laughs> yeah. And it was they were playing the freaking Spurs, one of the best teams in the league, and you're like, he's begging people to cheer. And that's what my – I think – Part of it is Denver is a very casual place, okay? Naturally, all of us are very casual out here who live here. And like I said, there may be the influence of alcohol with Broncos fans. There's also the fact that there's Broncos and then there's everyone else with, with Denver. So they're going to naturally get up for that. But when you go there, I mean, people will see it. I mean, you have, um, I, I mean, we have for comments from Kenneth Fareed about playing in front of the I mean let's face it that crowd wasn't that great yesterday in London it was just a full stadium full of different fans of you know people who didn't know what they were cheering for I mean you know? they, they had a they showed a close-up of some guys after Jokic threw that incredible one-handed scoop alley-oop to Kenneth Freed they're politely applauding oh they showed this fan, <laughs> yeah they showed some fans they're just kind of sitting there like yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. immediately afterwards to, it was like why aren't these guys yeah. cheering their asses off that was a crazy play I mean Freed I think that and then even my, uh, I don't know if you saw Michael Malone's quote um maybe we should play all our home games in, or something like that <laughs> oh, I wrote that before the game started I was like yeah. the Nuggets are probably gonna want to stay in London because they're playing in front of a packed crowd <laughs> and it's it's like listen we 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 all know they need to win. They all. I'm going to summarize this whole thing. We all know they need to win. That's fine. And that it will play a big, significant part in it. But people just need to, just, when they get, if you're going to pay 100 bucks for a seat, get your money's worth and cheer. And the other thing, too, I know uh, Paul Klee had tweeted out a portion of his article that he wrote the other day um, talking about when the Pepsi Center hosted the tournament games mm -hmm. and how Denver finished third among the eight venues in attendance. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's huge. And I kind of wonder with that, how many fans of teams that were, how many fans came to Denver for that? That's a significant portion of most of the arena. I think that's yeah. the only thing that, that Klee may have missed on that was it probably wasn't all Denver people coming to those games. Because yeah. if it was like, New Mexico, people probably drove up from there yeah. or flew in from Oregon or yeah. wherever. Yeah. A portion. A but portion. Still, I mean, his numbers that he posted in his article, it's like, damn, I mean, Denver drew third out of eight venues for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like, that's pretty good. The, no, the Denver hosted a Final Four in 91 and um, or 90. Yeah. But, no. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think you're, you're ultimately – I don't know. You're trying to say this. If they, if they start winning, people are going to come back. As far as the the bodies in the arena, yeah, if they quote unquote winning, and it's 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 a ridiculous standard, but I think every team deals with that in sports. Um, the Feinstein has said for years and years, he's like they need to just ditch this in game music, all these, you know, the in game atmosphere at NBA games in general is horrific. Yeah, it's like being at a, in an arcade almost. You know it's what I mean? Where it's overstimulation, I think. Yeah, right? it's like being inside Dave and Buster's for three hours. And you're like, oh, my head's going to explode. There's like drums and <laughs> music. and Where's the ski ball? There's like this blaring <laughs> something's coming out of here. And then I got some guy just, yeah. You know, it's like all this craziness. I like Kyle Speller. But Love Kyle Speller. It was cool that he got to be the He was uh, there the and announcer. he was trying to do the one, two, three thing. And that wasn't working with the uh, people in uh, England. But I, I, 
I completely agree with that, and I, that's where I agree with Mr. Feinstein, too. I mean, the Nuggets in-game stuff is great. It's not great. But, uh, and you pointed this out to me before the podcast. This is every NBA game. And they all tend to have standard things that they do in NBA arenas. Love the kiss cam. Kiss cam should stay. Kiss cam. I love the, uh, the pre-recorded stuff between players. I'm telling you, man, that Rockets game uh, in Denver where they had the Moutier, Moutier and yeah. Harris trying to guess – uh, what the other guy the was animal saying. thing, yeah. yeah, and they had kitty litter. <laughs> yeah. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. They should definitely keep that kind of stuff. But for the most part, give me an organ. You yeah. know, I don't need to hear. Sorry, DJ Beds, but I don't need to hear actual current pop songs and rap songs. Well, give me pl- an organ. It's funny. I was talking about this. This has nothing to do with the games. But what happened if you were an organ major back in the day? Like you got nothing to do now. Find uh, a church somewhere. Apparently, the 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 league has standard songs they play for when people are warming up on the court. It's the same songs that cycle through. And if I hear that... I don't man- know. I don't think that's true. Because I, I put in requests with DJ Bez before. I think, I think it, is, it is now because I heard it. Uh, I was asking someone who was, uh, came in from the... Uh, uh, I think they're playing the Knicks. And they said, oh, they play the same, the same songs in the same order at, at the warm-up. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going to have to get to the bottom of this. Bez, I'm going to be hitting you up. And, but Bez isn't, Bez isn't up there. They just play a pre-programmed thing. And then he gets there about... 30 minutes for the tip but he's not up there and like mixing like he usually does really yeah he was always there like hours before the games I, this is this is the, the funny thing because you'd have to if, do the run through with the cheerleaders if i hear that stupid mannequin challenge song again i am going to throw myself out of a window i don't even know what that song is I'm glad that I don't girl know. is a real girl please uh, oh. ray strumman black beatles oh, yeah god that's damn. unfortunate because that's a good song uh, the other thing that sucks, bubble cam. Get rid of that. Bubble that cam, sucks. Bubble cam, bubble, 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 Hate that cam. thing. Uh, the only thing that should stay is kiss cam. And then all these like, bring games back that Mark they, Randall. <laughs> <laughs> all these games they play. I don't know, man. I just I don't like the NBA in game entertainment. It's not great. But and, and listen, there's there's uh, there's. But the thing is, like, you I'm don't need crotchety. you don't need in game entertainment in in really any other sport. Well, I think it, it's kind of weird because I think. This probably isn't totally true because, I don't know, I think it kind of detracts from what's going on if you're, like, constantly having to be entertained where it's like there's a timeout. Shouldn't the fans be thinking about what's going on, too, instead of, like, watching some dog catch a Frisbee or something? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Now, did you – what did you think when, when Farid – and then we'll move on. Uh, what did you think of Farid's comments? When you when you heard them, were you, like – kind of like me at first, I was like, oh, this is Kenneth Farid, and we don't need Kenneth Farid making these kind of things. Or were you, like – Oh. <laughs> I was kind of, I was like, I mean, I wasn't surprised that it came from Freed, uh, just because he's, you know, he's kind of, he wants people to be behind him. Yes. Uh, yes, he does. I, I wasn't surprised that he was the one that said it, and I wasn't really surprised that it was said. I was just kind of like, hmm, damn, it's interesting. <laughs> I don't I, know. Because it kind of unleashed this firestorm on Twitter, because people, people are really sensitive about their fandom, I think. And I, I think that that is... I once said that a long time ago. I once said that Denver is a fantastic Broncos, Broncos city, the, one of the best individual sports fanships you'll ever see. As for the rest of the teams, it's it's not as not nearly as good. I mean, the Broncos are well, the Broncos are sort of like the Lakers would be, yeah, to other people. So, like, if this was L.A., yeah, exactly, because well, that's why that's why NFL never the succeeds. Are a famous team, you know, the Broncos. What I mean? the, the that's why. Other teams don't really succeed in L.A. because the Lakers, even with the fact that they're terrible, they 
dominate L.A. They absolutely dominate it. It's kind of, and that's a good comparison. It's like the Lakers. Or any, any, any of those yeah. famous teams, you know. I mean, the Packers are obviously famous. Whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Figure out your attendance issues. I, but obviously, everything starts at the top. And if, you know, if the Nuggets are truly concerned about their attendance numbers, then Josh Kroenke and crew will figure out a way to deal with it. Well, they, they need to, I think, first and foremost, and I, I said this on Twitter today, they need to. Well, they're obviously not concerned about it, right? They, yeah. They need to market to, to younger people. And they've, they started, what is it, Daniil Gallinari is on the light rail train now, right? <laughs> They yeah. plaster one of those. Yeah. He's on, oh, no, I think it's on uh, the DIA train. But, I mean, I'm the same way with, I know that, you know, we've had conversations with some of our friends in the radio business, and they'll tell you flat out, you know, if you start talking nuggets on air, you know, your numbers drop. If you talk abs, numbers drop, whatever, whatever. And my point has always been, you know, as media, I mean, you're taught this when you go to school, like, media tells you what you should know. And it's, yes. uh, you know, you're the one creating the news. Yes. You shouldn't always just give people what they want. You know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. You're supposed to tell them what they want. I, I completely agree. And that's another part of this that, uh, that that's we could get into. That, but it's, 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 well, that, what yeah. I'm saying with that is that that's kind of what Cronky and company didn't understand is yeah. plaster this damn city with nugget stuff. Yeah. You're billionaires. Yeah. Spend some money. Market the hell out of this team. Well, specifically, you share a you, market Jokic, mar, market Murray. You share a, a, a an immediate area with a college. I mean, you, it is right next door. It's not, it's not just one; it's three colleges. Yeah, and it, why 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 aren't these people walking over from their college to the? I mean, it it is it takes five minutes to walk from the Auraria campus to Pepsi Center. And the advantage that they have now that. They didn't have when I was going to school downtown. Was there's now dorms downtown? Yeah, there has been since like 2006 our, our, or seven, whatever. Uh, Neil Apiro stays in a dorm downtown. Yeah, so I mean, you're just walking around, wandering around downtown, like, hey, what should I go spend my money on that my parents just sent me, <laughs> or that I'm working three jobs to pay for? You know, there's a lot of those kids down there trying too. to get a scholarship, and, and over here, and it's just like I listen. There's many, many different factors. We can really need to move on from this, but it is in many different factors, and we can go on and on and on and on about this. Fact is, number one, if you want butts in the seats, you got to win. Okay, that's that's one hundred percent. It's Cronky's fault. Fact, <laughs> fact two, you got to win. <laughs> and but then I mean, after that's that, the other thing too, right? You got to win. We got to put a team out that's going to win. Ownership's got to put a team out that can win. And you got to maybe and getting close. Maybe, maybe even to segue into another something, you got to market Nikola Jokic <sighs> like you can't believe. I, I mean, listening to uh, – there's been a lot of – I mean, Jokic is picking up buzz around the league. So yesterday he comes out, plays brilliantly in London, uh, once again is, is the uh, – you know, basically the point guard of the team. I, I could have swore that he at least had that triple-double. And I know like, I, like Harrison Wynn went I think back he only on had BSN eight. Denver and, and counted up eight total assists. They credited his uh, baseball pass to Wilson Chandler for some reason. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the one that I, th- I saw because for some reason they credited that to Wilson. I, mean, I felt like – so during the second quarter, I just started you know, recording videos on my, off the TV of Jokic's passes. And mm-hmm. I think I had three or four assists. So that's why to me I was like, man, I just – Captured like four of these in like ten minutes. There's, he has to have like twenty five assists, right? Well, maybe maybe our our local scorekeepers are overly generous. Well, they should be more so. They only gave him seven yesterday. Didn't wasn't that the Nuggets crew scorekeeping yesterday? I don't. They know. They sent everybody else over there. I don't know. Maybe they they were. Maybe they were. Maybe they were just like Kyle Speller was there. Maybe they were got the as as Ali Sturm said about uh, Scott Hastings. He had the Guinness flu. <laughs> yeah, Hastings. <laughs> you guys have jet lag? No, I got Guinness lag. <laughs> 
um, I think I think we have a. Okay, you hate. I'm not going to say unicorn because that's that's something that Nate Timmons hates. But I, I, we we got someone special here that no one has seen. I I, I will. I, I this is the way I, what I think of Jokic. He has a particular set of skills. See, the only thing with unicorns is they're not real. And Jokic is real. You know what? And anyone, <laughs> someone who's, I got you, uh, Anyone who's following us on Twitter. I got you, sons of bitches. <laughs> quote this and attribute it to Nate. Because this will, this, because I actually I like the quote, but I think it's something that can stick forever. <laughs> the thing about unicorns is unicorns aren't real. Jokic is real. Jokic is real. Take that. Just put that out there. Hey, Matt Moore, write this down. <laughs> Nikola Jokic <laughs> is for real. Yeah, specifically. What is, I, I mm. couldn't understand. Uh, so the only guy in the media that seems to be holding out on Jokic is it's Matt, Matt Moore. Moore. Yeah. Uh, and I, I couldn't understand. He compared him yesterday to Zildrinas Ilgaskis and said something about how that would stunt him. Zildrinas Ilgaskis was 590 pounds. Wasn't he like 7'6"? Seven, 7'3". And, <laughs> seven seven foot foot three. Three and lumbered up and down the court like a, Stood you know, in the corner and shot threes? You know, he was like uh, the thing from the, the comics where he's made out of rock. So uh, Adam Mata has had a, a pretty good comp for Jokic with Al Horford. You know, it's not great, but it's, it's a comp. Uh, there's been, you know, Sabonis has been thrown out, Magic Johnson. And then you have Matt Moore with Zildrinas Ilgaskis. Is that the worst comp for Jokic yes. of all time? Yes. Of all time? Zildrinas Ilgaskis <laughs> is the worst <laughs> comp. I mean, I love you, Matt, but that is the worst comparison I have ever heard. I think Zildrinas Ilgaskis in his early early Cleveland days, back in Mike Fratello days when he was when he was with Cleveland, had some great skills, but he, I mean, he's... Jokic is not athletic. Matt probably had a whole different point, and I'm just completely taking that out of context. No, he, that's exactly his point. I mean, <laughs> I, I always had a theory that uh, that someone compared uh, Jokic to uh, Marc Gasol, and that pretty much started the downhill run with Matt. <laughs> Don't <laughs> on, compare on him Jokic. to Wendigo. Yeah, Wendigo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jokic is incredible, man. Some of the stuff he was doing yesterday, that one-handed kind of scoop, which is just looks so nonchalant. And then... Uh, you know, he hits that, hits the baseball pass to Gary Harris. He finds uh, Wilson Chandler on the baseline after he draws the defense to him, finds him wide open. Like, I just, <laughs> you've, you've literally never seen anything like it before. It's incredible. I've never seen, and, and this is not, I, I don't think this is hyperbole. I, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a unathletic, roughly seven-foot center who can't jump lead a break I've never seen him pass like this. I've never seen him hit threes like this. I've never seen him be able to create off the dribble in a half-court set like this. Especially when, Ever. It, when it tends to look like that he's moving in mud. <laughs> it's like, how hard is this guy to cover? So, uh, Apparently what, very difficult. For what, what did Hastings call him last year? It was the most appropriate thing I've ever heard. Oh, He was like a baby Great Dane. Doesn't baby know how Dane. to use his legs. <laughs> He seems to, and he's he's so. You know what is is the the, the thing about uh, Jokic is that he is so casual and so like nonchalant that it throws people off. Well, it's weird too because I mean he'll still get he can still be pushed around a little bit. Obviously, yeah, he's not that strong. Like, he won't was, get much stronger. I when I was think. watching the uh, I was watching Grizzlies Thunder the other night, and Gasol was uh, just his like he's like a floor general, you know, yeah, and yeah. he's back there like. 
And then I think, I don't know if it was Cantor or Adams that walked by him. He just kind of shoved him, you know, and, like, didn't, he didn't get moved by shoving the guy. He, like, stood his ground, shoves a guy, and he's kind of, like, look surveying the floor and kind of barking out where guys should go here and there. And I'm, like, just thinking about Jokic, like, man, as, as he learns and becomes more comfortable as, like, the leader of this team and the more nuanced parts of the game, you know, like, you can just see that where you see, like, Gasol has that, you know, he's learned some of the tricks of the trade, and he's like a veteran, obviously, now, right? Yeah. And it's like, you're kind of excited to see that part of Jokic, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want, you know, Jokic or Murray to age ever. Well, <laughs> you know, you, it's you, like, I want to watch these guys play forever. You said something about leadership. I don't think he'll ever be the quote-unquote leader. He'll be the best player. I think Jamal Murray has the personality to be the leader. And, and that's... That's what I keep looking at, and it's like, okay, I want to see those two together. I want to see Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic get as much time together as possible. Do they pull the plug on Emmanuel Moutier starting at some point this season? I mean, I, here's, here's what I'll ask you. Could they pull the plug on Moutier starting and put Jamal Murray in there, or would they have to go with Jameer Nelson? They'd have to go with Jameer Nelson, otherwise they'd lose the locker room. Unless they traded Jameer. But, I mean, so let's say for some reason that Malone decided to start Murray at point guard. What if they put Moutier back at, he would get Murray's minutes and then give the backup minutes to Nelson? You'd just, you'd have to almost trade Moutier at that point. Yeah, it's like, if you you end up benching Moutier, you're admitting that he was a failure. And then that's, that's, it's a downhill run from then. And... I don't know. I, I, I can't get definitive about Moutier yet because I refuse to do that about someone who's 21. The funny thing, though, is like his, his best play yesterday <laughs> is that dunk on Kevin Serafin. Yeah. Right? Was it Serafin? Yeah, Kevin Serafin. And he dribbles the ball off of his knee. Off of his loses knee. Loses it. Yes. Re, regains control. Dunks it. And then screams right in Serafin's face. And it was like, it was such a, it's, you know, it was what? classic Moutier because it had every, every part of his game. The not being able to dribble, the recovery, throwing it down, and then his confidence to scream in Seraphin's face like he just did something phenomenal, which it was phenomenal, but it's like, dude, that was almost a turnover. Like <laughs> That was really close. It was, was kind of like uh, peak Moutier, I'd say. You know how the way I describe Moutier is uh, he's a guy who is having a dream about playing basketball. <laughs> And he's just, he's like dreaming about the, the end result, but everything else up to it doesn't exist. I kind of feel like sometimes Moody when he a. plays that it's like, that's how it looks like when I try to like dribble, when I play like pickup games. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, that went off my foot. Oh, shit. I got to get over here. Oh, whoops. And it, it's, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And then he, the way he plays without Gary Harris, that last game against Oklahoma City, Gary Harris was not in there. And it was, it was eight awful experience yeah and the other thing too with him is he'll go through those stretches Moutier will go through stretches where even yesterday they somebody threw him the ball in a corner and he just immediately catches it and shoots it nails it you know and he has these like like you were saying it's you know how do you how do you know when to give up on a guy and obviously the coaching staff front office will know more than us uh if they decide to go a different direction at some point but you know, you just see those little plays from him sometimes where you go, oh, man, I don't know. And remember last year it was like Moutier was getting a ton of props for his passing and his vision. Yep. And it doesn't seem like that that passing and vision has been on display as much this season. The most disappointing thing with Moutier was when he came into the season, it was as if nothing happened. And he, like, all that stuff from March to April, 
that he did last the year before was erased. And he just was back to the exact same Moutier. And we cannot blame it on the Jerkic lineup anymore because they haven't been doing that for since about, what, 15 games in? So, all right, here's the, here's the next thing with Moutier then. How good is he off ball and how much would he be willing to concede the point guard role to Nikola Jokic? You know, could that ever work? It's like, all right, so you have you basically have Moutier playing the role of Thabo Cephalosha with the Thunder or whatever three and D guy you want. Right? Could could you see him transition to that? Is he big enough to do that role? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm saying like if he doesn't have the ball, what use is he on the floor? My, my issue is that he I can mean, cut. Sure, he's not that much of a threat from the outside. Yeah, Jamal Murray, much better threat from the outside and a better cutter. Better off, like well, he, is a, he, he can is move a, off the he moves off the ball very well. He is a, he has got Murray's got a floater too. He's got he's got more ways to kill you. He's not as good defensively, but Moutier is. What are you talking about? Okay, defensively. I mean, Moutier is horrific defensively. Yeah, Murray is. Murray is better than Moutier defensively. I I don't think this is an accurate statement, Nate. It's an accurate statement. <laughs> Moutier, All right, people. All right, people. Moutier is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. <laughs> You're going to have to look this up for us because I'm When you go convinced. under every screen by like 20 feet, you got a problem. I think they both do. <laughs> <laughs> they might. Um, but I've seen better defensive effort and better defensive instinct out of Murray than I have with Moutier. Oh, I see the tryhard with, with, with Murray. And Murray's I starting definitely. to come on a little bit, I think, yeah. defensively. I, he he's needs, making what, better plays. You know what Murray needs is like whoever's telling him to not shoot needs to stop. Oh yeah, he should have a green light all the time. He has got someone on the on Nugget staff. It had, it's very clear to me they're saying don't shoot, because he's had got some off the dribble, Would they off tell the bounce that? things that. Or like, or is it more so that when he misses some, he knows he's getting his ass pulled out of the game? Yeah, and that's that's that's. Is it him being told that or him learning that? Because when he does it, that's what happens. And that is that's something that if you're going to have someone like him, in that Damian Lillard mode, with a with stronger Damian Lillard. You were going to have to let him unleash him and let him shoot, because other, otherwise this is this is just not going to work. And they have to they have to let him shoot. I I have seen it. Then the last game I saw this, he had a. I was sitting there with my dad, and I think it was Jokic got him the ball kind of at the the, the corner near the baseline. He had space to shoot, and he just he just didn't do it. And I was like, he's got to shoot that. You have to shoot that, especially if you have that little bit of space and you're that good a shooter. You got to put that shit up. Yeah, I mean that's. But he has not done that for the last, I don't know, ten games or so. I saw him take yesterday. He took one of those uh, transition threes where he yeah. was driving up court and then just fired it up. What I'm more, and I think, okay, so Paul Klee, tremendous article in Carl Springs Gazette uh, about Nikola Jokic and his brothers. Go find it. Read it. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, he had a point in there where he um, – shit, lost my train of thought. You should have a pen and paper. So Vlade Divas? No, not Vlade Divas. I'm going to hear about Vlade. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> he wouldn't even take Ty Lawson and give us his pick. That bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Could have Willie Cauley-Stein and Moutier. <laughs> Kings fans hate Willie Cauley-Stein, by the way. Why? I've been uh, trying to dig into – I've – one of my uh, pet projects is trying to figure out Nuggets trades, which uh, Jeff hates oh, or yeah. loves. I hate it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I toy around with the fact that, okay, if Denver trades Nurkic, they got to get another seven-footer in here. And 
the Kings seem to be done with Willie Cauley Stein. So I'm like, what, why doesn't Denver go get him? And then everything I read about Willie Cauley Stein from fans is Mark Spears had tweeted out the other day. Um, you know, how is Willie Cauley Stein not getting any time with the Kings? It's a terrible team. He should be getting burned. And he had all these comments from Kings fans in, in the comment section of just talking about how uh, Willie Cauley Stein doesn't care. He doesn't try hard. He seems indifferent. He can't block shots. And I'm like, oh, this guy sounds terrible. <laughs> okay. But he sounds like maybe a change you know of scenery who, would be good for him. You know who Willie Cauley Stein reminds me of? And I'm going to get killed for this. Well, his whole thing he was, reminds me of Marcus Camby. Camby? Why? Yeah. Because he's got the similar body. He's got doesn't have the outside jump shot, but his blocking ability is very similar to Camby. I think he doesn't block. All Kings fans say he can't block shots. I, I've seen him block shots. <laughs> I've seen it. I have seen it. I have been at the arena when he has blocked a shot. I, yeah. I, it, it has happened. Um, he's not Nick Stauskas. Not every pick is a bust Stauskas? just because they're not. You know, they don't get time. And I think that George played Willie Cauley-Stein more than uh, Dave Yeager has in, yeah. out there. Well, I just kind of think, I'm like, man, if Denver gets rid of Nurkic, they got to find another seven-footer who's a young, athletic guy who can, you know, maybe guard guys on the perimeter. And that was supposed to be Willie Cauley-Stein's whole thing, right? Like, he was going to be this seven-footer that could guard ones, twos, and threes. Yeah. That was, like, his M.O. coming out of uh, Kentucky, right? Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's just something I've been toying with. But didn't he play with uh, Towns? It was him and Towns that played in the same lineup, right? So yeah, Willie Cauley Stein and, and and Towns, and they were the, the starters, right? Towns was the center, and he was the power forward. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he could play next to a guy like Towns, who, by the way, is not that great defensively. No. <laughs> and <laughs> that was his reputation coming in the league too. By the but way, was, neither is neither is Anthony Davis. He might be better now that they're finally playing him at center, but. Davis just needs to get out of New Orleans, but I, I yeah, but yeah, you're right, and and I I wouldn't mind that. This goes back to another thing. Well, I'm what, trying to, still trying to think of what the hell Clee wrote that I was going to talk about. <laughs> I'll keep thinking. You talk. Well, it it's, goes to another thing. I mean, what do you do with Yusuf Nurkic? Do you, are you on the camp that says well, you have we, to deal? Before we get to him, here's what I want to say with Jokic. If we're all pretty comfortable. And it seems that the Nuggets are very comfortable having Jokic essentially be your point guard. I mean, when Jokic is out of the game yesterday, it wasn't even fun to watch. It's like it kind of turns into isolations and pick and rolls, and it's like, put Jokic back in where he's just finding guys. It's because Jameer is out there chucking threes. But I, I, but, yeah, right, so my thing is, all right, so if you're going to have Jokic essentially run your offense and you want to provide him with shooters, isn't Jamal Murray probably the absolute perfect player? Yeah. Next to Gary Harris. Absolutely. Next to whoever your small forward is going to be, next to whoever your power forward is. Like, you know you have three of your five, right? Yeah. I think I think that it is something that can something that can be something that you haven't seen in the NBA. Okay. I am a little different than you, though. I like the, I like the idea with the shooters, but I think you should put have have him basically be your point guard. Have him act as that, stay out on the perimeter, do that, and then maybe occasionally get down on the block. Have uh, Murray out there, um, Gary, um, Gary Harris or, any, or someone else. And you, I think, to be honest with you, if, if you're going to see what you want with Nurkic, you're going to have to have him out there as your center and have Jokic run the point rather than they were doing before with him as power forward. 
Yeah, but you can't you can't play Nurkic and him together because Nurkic just wants to post up, and the whole goal of having but, Jokic out there running your offense is it completely opens up the paint. No, what what I'm saying is, if you're going to have him run your offense, you can't have him down there on the block all the time, right? Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. You would but have still going to have Nurkic's someone ass on the block. Yeah, that's what I mean. You have someone down there who. But you could don't do want it. anyone down there because you want the paint open so he can find cutters going to the hoop. And that's if, not the only thing he does, though. But I mean, that's primarily what he's very good at. I mean, I mean, look at it this way: if you're going to have him run your point, essentially you're abdicating a low post thing, which is fine. But if you're going to be in that position, and if you're going to do that, you're going to have someone who is like Nikola Jokic or like Giannis. Okay, the the um, the Milwaukee Bucks have him running a lot of point. Okay, and basically they have him as their point. Yeah. Right? Jokic is not as athletic, but he can serve a similar role. But the, the, the Bucks still have a guy who can get down on the block. I think that getting rid of Nurkic, specifically on his contract, is a stupid thing to do. Because he's not making much. He's not, I mean, unless he's a complete locker room cancer. And if that's what's going on, then get him out of there. And it doesn't seem to be the case because, yeah, because he's they, still very friendly with all of his teammates. And everyone seems to like him in the locker room. So yeah. I, I don't I think that is just a coaching player kind of issue. But if you if you got that going on, I don't see the incentive to get rid of him because of his contract. If he was making like ten, fifteen million dollars, get yeah. Obviously you you're not gonna be playing him. But you gotta find a way to use him and, and listen, don't don't start him, but at least Use him to where he's positively affecting your defense. You Here's know? what I think the Nuggets have done with Nurkic, and it's what you wrote about, Jeff, the other day in your trade piece um, where you're talking about how trades are rare in the NBA and you know different teams are going to value your guys differently and the Nuggets value their guys a certain way. I think what Denver has probably done, especially with his, these Paul Millsap rumors, is they've probably gauged, or they're trying to gauge the interest of what Nurkic could bring back in a trade, right? And if it's not going to be significantly better than what he provides you right now, like you're saying, he's got a great contract. He's a, you know, he's a productive player. Uh, he does things that no other big guy on your team can do. Why trade him? Like, there's, there's no real point unless another team out there really values him as a starting center and is willing to pay you a, a hefty price to obtain him. Right? His role right now is perfect, I think. Well, it's if he was perfect for you, but it may not be perfect for him. Well, yeah, but I mean, if he was playing twenty minutes a game, maybe eighteen to twenty minutes a game, um, it would be a lot. It would be because they can run two completely different lineups with Nurkic and Jokic. Okay, they yeah. they are fundamentally different players. Okay, I I, I really dislike watching the Nurkic led lineups. <laughs> They're fundamentally different. All he does is post up and he he clogs everything. Well, I think part of that you can blame on Brian Shaw. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Nurkic is good. I mean, that's what you want him to do is post up. Remember, when Nurkic first started uh, in his rookie season, he was doing a lot of high elbow stuff. And he was passing from there, and he wasn't posting up constantly. I know for a fact, because I I heard him say it, Brian Shaw said, I want you to run to the rim every single time you got that. And then he had that good rookie season when the Nuggets were running a different offense, and it like it worked for him, but it it's it stuck with him. So it's like if he was doing what he did when he got in there that made them trade Mozgov, then 
it would be one thing. But the, the fact that he's doing something completely different has like completely thrown it off. And I agree that people like you know he clogs up the lane, blah blah blah. It, I, I agree with that stuff, but I don't believe that this is who he is going to be. Yes, you still sounds like you have hope for Nurkic transforming into something. But my my productive my, player. My deal with Nurkic is if another team is going to value him as a starter and is going to pay you a handsome reward, then I would definitely trade him. Oh, absolutely. But it's hard to do on a rookie contract. Yeah, it's very hard to do unless you're getting, you know, unless the Celtics, you know, Danny Ainge drinks a bunch of Jack Daniels and is like, hey, you want one of these Nets picks? Give me that Nurkic fella. All right, here you go, Danny. And I don't think the Nuggets are really right now thinking, God, we need more picks. They've got two first-round picks this year. They've got two yeah, but if you got one of those Nets picks or the worst well, yeah, the but I mean that's one thing. You get the number one pick. That's one thing. Lonzo but there's Ball. a re- there's a reason, as I pointed out in that that trade piece. There's a reason Boston hasn't been able to give up that pick. So here's a here's another question. So we're we're dicey on Moutier being a starting level player, right? Like you're not 100 mm-hmm. percent sold on him being a starter. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I think he's been a. I would say 70% of the Nuggets' actual issues revolve around things stemming from Moutier's so, inability on the court. So this is a very heavy point guard draft. There's a lot of good point guards to be had in this draft. Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith, on yeah. and on. Dennis uh, Smith? Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, my God, really? Oh, is he, is he his son? I don't want to say yes, but I'm about 99% sure it's oh yes. Oh, my God. Maybe he's going to hit someone. Like <laughs> I hope so. Dude, I went back, actually, and watched uh, Dennis Smith and Carl Mecklenburg highlights, I think, when we had Mecklenburg on the podcast years ago. And uh, those guys, Dennis Smith and Mecklenburg, speared guys on every single play. <laughs> It was like they were taught, like, take head, smash it into guy. You see that guy there? Break his leg. I mean, they, they, they literally would just, like, torpedo into dudes. Like, oh, that water would do that, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. just like, it was like, geez, Remember the Louise. Super Bowl when he ran into his own man and they knocked each other out? Yeah. I mean, just, but anyway, yeah. yeah that, was it John Mobley? Did uh, that no, it was uh, Braxton, wasn't it? Tyron Braxton? Oh, uh, it could have been Braxton. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, it's a point guard heavy draft. Um, the Nuggets have a big question now at point guard with Moutier's inconsistent play. They have to figure out if Jamal Murray can play point guard in a lineup with Jokic and if that can work. And well, mind you, those two have played brilliantly together earlier this year when Jokic was coming off the bench with Murray. It's a good point. But the thing is, it's a good point. my thing is, if Denver ends up with the 6th or 7th or 8th pick in this draft and you're in the prime position to draft a guy like... I don't know. Let's just say for some dumb reason, Lonzo Ball is available for the Nuggets to draft. Uh, killer point guard prospect from UCLA. Uh, very talented passer. Kind of a ball-dominant guard, but can also play off-ball pretty well. Uh, very deep range. Not great off the dribble. Whatever. So they have a, a top-flight point guard they can pick. Would they take him, knowing that Jokic can run the offense and Murray is this incredible three-point shooter that can move around without the, like, you Ooh. know what I mean? Like, do you need a top-flight a top flight point guard or can you make Jokic as your point guard work and have you know kind of this unconventional lineup I think the Nuggets that's a very good question Nate it's a very good and it's something they got to figure out which is why they should put Murray in the starting lineup and see if they have anything there. if you ask me now without really thinking about that I think they owe it to themselves to use Jokic in the best ways possible and right now it's increasingly looking like they need to treat him like a point guard in that case I don't know if investing in another ball dominant point guard is going to help you 
right. which is why it's like, I mean, Murray can run some point guard stuff. We need to see him more in pick-and-roll situations. The Nuggets' offense is unbelievable. They scored 140 points yesterday, and it's almost like if you introduce— And they've been torching a, teams. If you introduce a ball-dominant point guard into this, it'll mess it up. Well, that's what I was thinking, too, like when I wrote that— you know, little piece about Moutier being yeah. a good pick because it allowed Jokic to become this. You By know, the way, you, Nate's eight on the CSU website. Yeah, if you hired Mike D'Antoni, you know this whole thing may be for naught. And you actually—that's another. Boy, Nate's full of great points today. Um, that is another and great point because if it's if it is Mike D'Antoni here. Jokic is being used as a as a role guy on the pick and roll, <laughs> right? And. Um, Gallo's in the corner shooting threes, and the Nuggets may be scoring a lot of points, but it the offense looks a lot of difference, a lot different. And the Nuggets, what's making them special is Nikola Jokic. Forget everything else. What makes them special is Nikola Jokic. And if the Nuggets are going to go this direction, they have to. It is essential that they exploit the fact that these two that they have someone who can do this. And as I said, in this sense, they can't invest in a ball-dominant point guard because really... And that's the problem is in the draft, you have to take the best player available. You don't, yeah. have, you don't have the luxury of saying, well, we need a wing, so we're going to pass on this elite point guard to take a wing who might be good. Yeah. So they've got to figure out a couple of things before the season comes to a close. But I, I, I would think that their number one priority in a draft would be a wing player just because of the uncertainty and the age of both Gallo and Chandler who don't necessarily match up with the timelines, obviously, of the young guys. Let me ask you something. Yesterday, because Arthur was again injured, the Nuggets Best had... Best job in the NBA. <laughs> Nuggets had to go with Chandler and Gallo as the 3-4, right? What did you think of that actual performance? Because they were playing against Miles Turner, and I forget who the other four was on that team. God, me too. Um, wasn't Seraphim doesn't start. He plays. He plays... Or maybe it was Seraphin. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Seraphin's lost some weight. Yes, he has. He looks skinny. I, I'm, boy, I'm completely thrown off of this, uh, their starting lineup. Um, well, whatever. Would you, what, did you like that particular lineup? That's one of the lineups that's been given up a lot of points, but they played a lot better defense yesterday, too. Yeah, that's my favorite lineup that they've ran out this year for starters anyway. Uh, that's my favorite one just because I – I like what Chandler provides, and I know he's been good in Denver as a six-man, and he's you know kind of he's excelled at, and I think accepted that role. But again, I'll remind people that before he came to Denver, he was a starter for just about eighty percent of his NBA career games with the Knicks. Yeah. So I mean, this is a guy that was used to starting and has kind of adapted his role. And I'm not sold on the fact that he's better off the bench than he is starting. I know he he slumped recently, but slumps happen. You know, for whatever reasons, on court, off court, whatever may be going on, you know, it's it's a slump. It's not the fact that he should go back to the bench and be the sixth man again. I think they should really experiment with him and Gallo in, in the starting lineup. Well, Gallo had 18 yesterday and was extremely efficient. And then you had Chandler, who was doing the slashing thing. I'll tell you, though, I mean, it's the same thing that we saw last year with Gallo, where... Even though he's cooking in the first quarter, the team is not necessarily cooking. The Nuggets didn't really get rolling until the second quarter yesterday when Jokic started distributing. Yeah. That's when they really started picking up, even though Gallo was absolutely set the tone for the start of the game of just hitting Well, Gallo shot wasn't shot. dominating the ball, though. He was, he was shooting off the, off the bounce. 
Yeah, that's true. And then that was because they had damn near forty assists yesterday. Yeah, and that was and he had a three himself. I think I, I like that performance from Gallo. You're right. I thought it was fi- he, when he's efficient like that. You don't worry about anything else. I mean, if he if he is efficient and not going three for ten, you're you're like okay, eighteen points on eleven shots, and not all relying on free throws that's a that's a great performance i i will take that every time that's not going to happen every time yeah i'd rather see him play that way than you know three of eight and then 14 of 15 at the foul line i hate those games (laughs) (laughs) i don't like i don't i've never liked watching james harden draw fouls i'm not a big fan of that stuff so i think gallo could average a lot more if he actually tried to make baskets instead of just drawing contact well and in the yesterday Remember the preseason? How Gallo played defense yesterday. First yeah. time all year. Yeah. Good job, Gallo. <laughs> he he was guarding Paul George and and uh, Michael. What did Michael Malone say? He Paul said, George "What do we need?" To, Gallo rules. He said? said that we we need someone to step up. And uh, your your boy Wind had this uh, had this uh, your boy Wind as if we don't talk to him um, had that quote that Malone said. Love the what wind. do we need to win, win this game? And Gallo said, "Play defense." He was the first one who said it. And he's like, well, okay. He took, and then he said, Gallo took up the responsibility of guarding Paul George. Gallo did that before, and I don't know if you remember this. Remember when the Nuggets played the Knicks in like 2010, and Gallo said, "Yeah, I'm going to, I want to guard Melo." Oh yeah, we watched that here at Jake's. Yeah, Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, delicious food. And Gallo killer drinks, good coffee. Took up that responsibility, and he stepped up. My my thing about Gallo is that I think he's just. He's injury riddled, and he's very even yesterday. He's just so slow. It is hard to watch how slow he is. Well, it's also crazy to think about the fact that he's six ten playing small forward, where it's like, yeah, Jokic at six ten can't even play power forward, and Gallo's playing small forward small at forward. the same height. And Gall- Gallo honestly needs to be guarding fours more. And Paul George, I think, was playing. Paul George was playing four yesterday. That makes sense. So that's why you know Gallo C.J. Is, Miles at the C.J. Three. Miles Does he start the three. C.J. Miles. He always kills the Nuggets. He always has. C.J. Miles, I remember that playoff series. Stepped out of bounds. Stepped out of bounds. Feinstein clearly had the picture. Yeah, I never out. forget. It's like, Andy had the picture right there. We would have lost <laughs> in six games, <laughs> not five. But we lost in six. <laughs> we lost in seven, <laughs> not six. I remember, I remember after they won game five. Uh, Nuggets won two games in that Jazz yeah, series? Yeah, they won game five. And Chauncey said, God, pressure's on them now. Back when, <laughs> back when Darren Williams was being talked about as the best point guard in the NBA. Ahead oh of his, God, uh, that, was, that was a long time ago. His old friend, Chris Paul. Jeez, that's seven years ago now. Darren um, Williams also could have been a Nugget. Had the Nuggets made that Nene trade, right? Wasn't it Nene to the Hawks or something like that for Darren Williams? Was it? And then it got pulled at the last minute, so the Hawks ended up taking Marvin Williams. Oh, yeah. Starvin' Marvin. Starvin' Marvin, who has oh. also turned into a – that's the thing, too, where when you're like, maybe don't give up on guys like Moutier or Nurkic yet because you have guys like Otto Porter, who has really started to come on. He's only 23. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is a serviceable player now. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, uh, God. Still I has a broadcast shot. For a long yeah. time. And the guy you just mentioned, too. Who's the guy we just mentioned? Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams. Yeah. You know, it took him a few different teams to, to find his role, and now he's found it and is, you know, it's a, a I, lot better. Listen, it, it is it, – I just hesitate on giving up on people at that age. My problem is with Moutier, there has been a significant regression in a lot of the most important skills, and that is where the alarm bells go off with Moutier. I mean, what really you, they are. So what do you do – 
<laughs> we have this conversation every year, and the Nuggets never do anything. But what do you do with the uh, Nuggets' goal is to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. yeah. Was that Gallo that uh, yesterday? Our friend said that. Laura, who was at the game, she asked that question. The, yeah. yeah, got Gallo to to talk about the the playoffs and how that's their goal and they want to get there. Um, they're in the race, obviously, because of the West right now. Although, how is uh, Portland is now Portland's, the Portland's yeah. starting to kill it a little bit, huh? A little bit, yeah. They just blew out the Cavs the other they night? Blew, yeah, blew out the Cavs. Um, so, yeah, the Nuggets want to make this playoff run. So, obviously, that's going to freeze any of the plans of the front office, right? Isn't it? I mean, you're still going to have Gallo, Chandler, and Drell Arthur, and Ken Freed here. I don't see – if this is not based on anything I've heard. Just an opinion. I don't see the Nuggets making a trade this year. And it's like how many, you know, there's that point in time where we were kind of texting about it yesterday where it's like, do you wait too long <laughs> to where now you can't trade for the type of value that you wanted back? If I, I, I've told people this before, and I, I, I'm not speaking with my heart here because I don't think Gallo is a good player anymore. But he's still clearly good. Um, I, <laughs> I honestly don't think they had any intention of giving trading Gallo, regardless of, regardless of his protestations and saying I don't want to be dealt. They could have dealt him regardless last year if they really wanted to, and I don't think they wanted to. I honestly didn't think they wanted to. And if they wanted to deal him this year, they can still deal him. But I mean, they're not going to be able to because they're going to be in this damn race for the eighth seed. I, I think that's more circumstance than it is intent. I know, but I mean, it's still, you're still going to be frozen by it because it's there. It's an option, right? It's like, okay, if you're like the Hawks, but the Hawks like dealt Kyle Korver and then they're, they're fourth in the East. And, and that how, trade like makes pulling Millsap off the market just makes no sense. And I heard, uh, I think it was True Podcast was saying that the only guy that could have taken Paul Millsap off the trade block was Paul Millsap. Saying like, "Don't trade me." I tend to think that it's probably Atlanta just I not think getting it, the right deal and I just think, holding on. For I now. think teams went to Atlanta and say, "We're going to give you this, and that's our final offer." I honestly think that's what all these teams did. Because you even saw like the report about the Nuggets, right? Who was that? Matt Moore had said uh, that not the Nuggets give up the farm. For the Nuggets no, were not yeah. going to give up the farm. Yeah, which you know nobody was, nobody should because of the free agency aspect, you know, and. I, I've gone so back and forth. I immediately, when I heard the Millsap rumors, I was like, oh, yeah, Denver's going to, you know, Denver should go get him. And Denver tried to sign him as a free agent before he signed with Atlanta. Um, I think before, I don't know. They tried to sign him. I don't know how far along those talks got. They tried to trade for him in the offseason last year or whatever it was. Um, so there's definitely smoke there, but. I don't know if I necessarily – I thought at first, I was like, if you're going to keep – my whole thing is if you're going to keep Chandler and Gallo, go ahead and make the Millsap trade. You know, if you're going to try to push forward with these guys. But if you trade Chandler and bring in Millsap, what have you actually done? I don't think you've done anything. But lateral moves are the worst in the NBA. You, when you don't really – and that's essentially – And it's not the, because the, – the, 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 the Corver trade is essentially a lateral move because um, – Corver's having a down year, and Dan Dunleavy wasn't really playing that much, but he's still a three-point shooter. I mean, it wasn't exactly what you would call a game-changer. It was just a move that, I mean, it's Mike Dunleavy at the end of his contract, and maybe then if, if that was it, then maybe they're trying to save room. But at the same time, it's like lateral moves in the NBA are just the worst. They, they 
That's why you don't see teams making a lot of trades. It's because lateral moves don't help you. Lateral moves are just like you're just trading one contract for another. And that's where, yeah. to me, it was like, you know, if you're going to trade, if, let's say you traded Freed and, I don't know, just for shits and giggles, Freed, Barton, and a first-round pick, and you get back Millsap, then it's like, okay, now you can move forward a little bit with that because Millsap obviously is better than Freed. You still have your bench loaded with Chandler. Yeah, I still have Gallo starting next to Millsap, so that makes some sense. You're probably going to make the playoffs. Like you're probably going to. That's probably going to push you over the edge to make the eight seed this year. I think. Um, but if you trade Fareed, Chandler, Nurkic for Millsap, then it's like okay, now your bench has been decimated because yeah. you got rid of Chandler. I mean, yeah. you still have Barton, but you don't have that seven footer anymore. I, to me, it was just a, it's it's kind of a hard trade. And then you're like, okay, well he's 32. So you're going to have to either bring back Gallo and Chandler to play with him for a few more years, or you got to immediately go out and find a deal for Gallo that's going to bring you back a veteran around that same age. The, the Nuggets' problem with like I, the whole... I, I'm off the Millsap train, is what I'm trying to well, say. I, I, the Nuggets have I really makes no incentive to empty out their coffers for Paul Millsap, who is, all, by the way, going to be 32. I mean, there's, there's also that, talking about timelines. So if they now, if they had got Dwayne Wade... Obviously, it's a different scenario. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and then that, that would have changed things. But I'm, let me just say that the Nuggets' issue right now at the, at the wing spot is that they're going to have a significant difficulty replacing the production they got from both Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari, who are their highest, other than Jokic, their highest value trade pieces. So if you say trade one, you're going to – Gallo is – regardless of me thinking that Gallo is not, not nearly the player he was – He's still giving you 18 points a game. Chandler's giving you 16. That's 34 points a game you're getting right at that spot. That is really difficult to replace. You're, you're only scoring 105 a game. You're know? only scoring 105, but you're giving, you're giving up 125. <laughs> you know? Well, so I don't know. If Gallo like, gone, the defense well, may get much true. better. Make it better. <laughs> um, but you, you, so they, they, they need to get back value equivalent because I don't see the Nuggets seeking picks anymore. I just they have so many they've have so many picks. Well, that's the I hard. Don't see it. That's the hard place where they're trying to probably transition to is going from. You know, those are the steps, right? Get a young young core, try to make the playoffs to get the young core a little taste of what that kind of life is like. Because as everybody says, playoffs are completely different than the regular season. Yeah. As Mike Miller will tell you, the finals are a different beast compared to the regular playoffs. Yes. Um, so that's the steps, right? Young core, try to make the playoffs, get them a little taste, and then trying to build, you know, from going from a non-playoff team to an eighth seed to a middle of the pack to the upper echelon. Like, that's such a hard thing to do. We saw the Warriors do it. You know, and how do the Nuggets get there? And the Nuggets don't have – there's not an easy answer for that. And to me, I would be totally fine if they traded, you know, Fareed, Chandler, and Gallo and went with, like, younger – and just said, screw it, we're going to be however we're going to be without these guys. It's like, all right, fine, like, yeah, pick yeah. that direction. I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, I, I don't know, where you're like, it's like I know what's going to happen. They're not going to do anything. team's going to finish with 30-some wins, and next year we're going to be sold on all these promises again of what's going to happen. Well, I mean, that's, that's great, but, I mean, what are they going to do with Gallo? Yeah, I don't know. What, I mean, he is entering in a contract here. Their, their their leverage to trade him evaporated basically, and it's like what are you going to try to get? I don't know why he would resign here. Like if he truly, well, I don't think I don't think that's the question anymore. I think it's like 
the Nuggets like have lost their opportunity, so they're going to have to let him go. And so, like people, I mean, if they don't want to, if they don't want to keep Gallo, they're going to have to let him go. And the shitty, have, the have shitty thing is when you look down the road and you're like, all right, so they traded Carmelo to get Gallo. It kind of at one point in time it started to become the Gallo trade and not the Melo trade, right? Yeah. So then you're saying, well, if you won that trade with Gallinari and then he ends up walking away in free agency, it's like that's a hard pill to swallow where you're like, man, they could have gotten at least a first-round pick for him and taken a shot at something versus nothing. As I'm saying, it's like if the Nuggets truly intended to trade Gallo, they would have traded him. You think he resigns with Denver? I don't I don't think it matters. Either way, he, he's either he's here or he's not. I don't think... Look at it this way. If he signs, he's good. He's, he increases his own trade value next year. If he doesn't resign, he goes to the market, gets about, what, $18 million a year, and, and gets it on another team. Yeah. Should Denver resign him? Um, I don't know. I'm leaning more towards no than yes. Yeah, I mean, this, if he, this he, point. I don't think I can see them relying on Wilson Chandler to replicate what Gallo does. Because as we all know, but, but with both Gallo and Wilson Chandler have the same... Well, Wilson goes through longer valleys, but then he has higher peaks. So <laughs> Gallo's more consistent. Wilson goes really low, but has really, really high highs. So that's what you're going to get with Wilson. Are you going to say, okay, we're just going to stick with Wilson Chandler, Gallo, uh, see ya, you know, you're going to go to wherever or go back to Italy, do whatever you're going to do. You still have no backup wing unless you think Malik Beasley is going to be that person. Nah, he's a shooting guard. So you're kind of you're like, okay, we still have no backup. You're going to need to address that. Are you going to address it in the draft? Because you're kicking back your timeline if you do that. So... Yeah, how no matter who you draft, it's going to take them a couple of years. Yeah, so you know, I did, did. No matter how good Jokic has been, he still has a lot of maturing to do. So in a, essence, yeah. the Nuggets are kind of are kind of like in limbo. <laughs> I guess right. it's really in limbo, yeah. specifically with that position. I know we obsess about that, but that really is that the one position where the Nuggets are truly in limbo. They is, just haven't never, they haven't addressed it with the draft yet, and they've addressed every other position in the draft. Mm-hmm. Unless they think that Wancho can play there, which. You know, I'm not totally sold on. I'm not totally sold. He should be a small forward. I think. I he's, think he's a four, but I. Yeah. I, and that could go either way. I mean, he's a he's a he's kind of a tweener. Yeah, you know, yeah. You might be able to play. You might be able to get away with a little bit there, but but that's it, is something. A, it, it is a question. But I don't think it's something that the Nuggets are desperate need to address. You know, if he goes, he goes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, it's it's. I don't think that's something that is going to get you something that's high value right now what unless you, you think invest that, in the draft. All right, so Mello gave the Nuggets a I'm out of here yeah. talk. Yeah. I wonder if Gallo has given any indication to front office or ownership either way or if he's just keeping it to himself. I don't know. That's you a know? good question. And I would think that if he did tell them that he's gone, that they would trade him this year. So yeah. I, I guess we'll have our answer at the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, and if the Nuggets have a shot, he stays. If he's definitely gone, they're going to trade him. Carmelo was inter- Carmelo was interesting because he had another year. Remember, Carmelo had another year, and then they offered him an extension for another three. Although the Nuggets could let Gallo walk in free agency and then blame him, be like, "Hey, we thought we had a chance, and yeah. they left." You know, possible. we tried. I mean, that that's very possible too. We tried, guys. 
I, I just don't know. I mean, this is something, but I don't. I, it's not something that I think really has something that should consume people. Because I, I, either way, it'll be resolute. Either they re-sign him or they don't. If you don't like Gallo that much, it won't that be a big deal if you lose him. If you do like him a lot and you think that he can value something, you're going to be angry at them for not re-signing him. Either way, it's kind of like neither here nor there. They have their guys at other positions that they want to build around. And if you think that Gallo's part of that future in the Nuggets, you'll say, okay, Gallo, we're going to give you another two years. You know, we'll give you a $20 million a year or something like that just to fill up the cap space, wait for these other guys to, to bloom, do that. If you aren't in that position and you think, well, we can, like, move on without you, you just let him go. I don't think if, if people are convinced Gallo is not good anymore, and, and there's some, probably some evidence to, to kind of say that, then letting him go won't that be, be that big a deal. So I'm still interested, too, to see, you know, eventually how they're going to work in Beasley, how they're going to work in Wancho to this equation. What the hell is going on with Darrell Arthur? What's going on with Kenneth Fareed? Like, Kenneth so Fareed is the one. I mean, I, 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 the ones that, that I'm really concerned about, it's, it's Fareed and Moutier. Fareed's so fun off the bench, though. I, I like him off the bench. He's just a you know, guy that comes in and just plays at a different level with his, yeah. his hustle. I completely agree with that. And as long as it doesn't come at the expense of taking out Nikola Jokic. And if, the, if Michael Malone has progressed past that point where he's just going to like, eh, we're going to put Fareed in at center and run Moutier at point, then it's just I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, pretty interested to see what these guys do coming down the yeah. the stretch. Down the stretch. Eventually. Well, they, Now, we've, we've said all this, but they did beat the snot out of the, uh, out of the Indiana Pacers like, in London. Even Larry Bird was like, we didn't come to play. That's what he said today. Uh, but my question is, too, with, with these Nuggets now, so they come back, they had a, a nice break. Uh, from this London trip, they got some games piling up here. That's right, because they play Orlando <laughs> on Monday yeah, on I mean, Martin Luther King Day. They almost basically had like an all-star break, you know, four days, three, four days without a game. Well, they do play at 3 p.m. on uh, on Monday, so. So they've had some days off. Yeah, and so they're going to have would... some they're gonna have some back-to-backs and stuff coming up, huh? And you know why another reason Gallo will probably look a little better was because he had four days rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Oh, yeah, there's that part there, but, I mean, the rest helps. And then they have, like, a back-to-back immediately Monday, Tuesday, you know. But it's, like, not not, not a traditional back-to-back because they play at 3 p.m. On, on, uh, on Monday. So, I mean. I'll be curious to see what happens leading up to the trade deadline of, you know, wins and losses, if they're going to be in the playoff race, if they're not, if they try to do something to push forward and make the playoffs, or if they – sell off I mean it's very uncharacteristic of Denver to try to sell off pieces so yeah. I'd, be, I'd be surprised if they're I'd be I'd be surprised if they're sellers at the trade deadline I'd be very surprised I wouldn't be too I, I just don't see right now with the way they're composed and they're scoring 140 points against the Indiana Pacers I just don't see anything out there that leaps out at me that says you must do this now from the Nuggets perspective and the other thing too that is frustrating is you know, in those comments that Freed had post game, you know, he's like, "We're a good team. Like, we wanted to show out." And it's like, "Are you?" <laughs> you can't say it. Fifteen and what was the record? Fifteen, 15 and twenty-three. Yeah. You can't say you're a good team yeah. at fifteen and twenty-three. Yeah, I agree. No matter what kind of circumstances, even though they should be at worst seventeen, you know, they had two wins taken from them. They had they had two wins taken from them, and they had a couple other wins that were. Uh, there's six games I identified. Yes, they should have won, yes. But at least two. 
So even at 17 and 21, you still can't say you're a good team. You're still below 500. God, I keep thinking about that first home home game against Portland. I know. But at the, and the frustrating thing, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to get his last name wrong, but Evan Filia? Fiala. Fiala. Uh, I had a hilarious tweet this morning that said someone should remind Fareed that they might have a better home attendance had he switched <laughs> off of exactly. Damian Lillard <laughs> in the home opener. They, they, may have, they may have had a better win if uh, if, if Malone doesn't put uh, Fareed in on against Memphis. <laughs> well, no, Mark Gasol's in, out there. He subbed in Jameer Nelson for Jokic. <laughs> he subbed in Jermaine. And he, Hastings immediately goes, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> And Hastings, with his Guinness lag, still realized that that was a long move. Uh, but I no, mean, you're right. You're right. So, I mean, whatever whatever the case, I, 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 I tend to agree with Freed, though. I do think there is a good team inside this Nuggets team, and I think Malone has flirted with it this year. I think he's closer to figuring it out than he was at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I agree that they had to experiment with the Jerkic lineup. They had to. You had to see if Jokic could play the – you know, your two best bigs could play together. So that didn't work. No. Uh, as soon as that didn't work, to me, Nurkic goes back to the bench and Jokic goes back to five. Uh, instead, the Nuggets put Jokic to the bench at his request, according to Michael Malone, and Nurkic starts. So, you know, whatever, whatever. They finally have it figured out a little bit now that they're running things through Jokic. Uh, I, I would love to see Murray step in there at some point for Moutier just to see you know, what that could look like because he played so well with Jokic earlier this year. And and let's see if Freed's right. Let's see if, you know, if these guys truly are a good team, can they be consistent and can they do it here moving forward? Because there's no there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to put some games together. You know, they're not they're not playing all the world beaters. And like we were saying the other day, you know, uh making the case that, you know, you'd mentioned that the Nuggets play well against Golden State and I countered with, well Golden State probably doesn't give a shit about playing Denver. They're like, we can coast by. And that's kind of been Denver's. But you would have thought they would have learned that lesson last year, right? And and I think that the below. I mean, that's what I was like. Like they didn't. They if they didn't learn that lesson last year, that what what does that tell you about Golden State? You know. And secondly, I mean, that's just I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they do take them somewhat seriously, but they, they're just, they're not playing the Cavs. But you know, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And and at the same time with Denver, it's like you have to. I think that's where Malone kind of gets. When he was complaining about veteran leadership, I think that's where he's right in saying that, you know, your veterans have to be the guys that are explaining to these young guys that you have to take the Sixers seriously. You can't let them score 124 points. You know, like, if you put in minimal effort, you know, if you put in mediocre level against the Sixers, you're going to beat them. You know? <laughs> I mean, 124 points? That, that, was, that was a weird thing because the Sixers are kind of like the Rockets are weird in that they just – it's just Embiid and then a bunch of Chuck threes. I mean, that's all their offense is. And it's like you would think that if you would just have a scheme where you just stay on them and don't overload to one side, it wouldn't be that much of an issue. I but, just don't get, like, why <laughs> like pretending to swipe at a ball when a guy is driving through the lane is better than staying on your guy that's standing in the corner waiting to shoot a three <laughs> that's going to go in 45% of the time. I guess just just don't. I mean, anyway, that, that's that's a pet. Peeve it used to be it used to be worse with Carl though. Carl's teams gave up wide open threes too. Uh, always the corner three. Always they always gave up the corner three. Always everywhere. <laughs> always gave up the corner. Somebody three. had some good stats the other day. I don't even remember where I heard it. It might have been Hoop Pod talking about the Nuggets or something. Yeah, I think it was Hoop where they were basically saying 
they were not concerned with Denver's defense at all. I think it was the True Hoop pod because they were pointing out that Denver's opponents were shooting like, I don't know what it was, 40-something percent from the corners and like 39% above the break or something on threes against them. And it was this huge number of three-pointers that they had been making. And they're like, you know, uh, it's going to regress to the norm just like it did for, uh, damn it, I think it might have been Utah that had teams shooting really well against them. And it's going to regress back down to the mean. But to me, and my thing where I would always get pissed about Carl's teams is it's like once you kind of let guys get into a rhythm of shooting open shots, you know, and from three-point land, then they get hot. I still believe in, yeah. the, in the hot theory. It's the rhythm method, man. <laughs> the rhythm method, yes. <laughs> but you, can't, you can't let those guys get into a rhythm. It's, you know, it doesn't work in any walk of life. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have tried it. And it doesn't work. No, but this, the, the truth is... If you let people shoot threes, they're going to get hot. I mean, even just a And by the time you're feeling good about your shot, nothing's going to distract you from it after that. You can hit shots with dudes in your face the rest of the night after you hit three in a row or whatever. Listen, it, it bugs me personally just because someone who's grown up through the, through the 80s and 90s, how many threes they take. But a basic concept is if you know a team is going like the Sixers or the Rockets, if you know they're just going to shoot threes – there's just a point where you're going to be like, you know what? If they get a guy run into the hoop to give up a two, okay. I know, right? Just don't let them <laughs> shoot. Just bother them on shots so they're contested threes, not open threes. I mean, that should be a logical thing. And that should be just something that just said, like, you know what? We can forget overhelping in the middle to, to stop people from driving, and we can just, just do this. Because, you know what, and their defense was different against the, uh, against the Pacers. They stayed home on their shooters, on three-point shooters, a lot more in this game. And I think that was a change I noticed. They weren't overhelping. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'm willing to give Freed, you know, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt where he says we're a good team. It's like, all right, I've seen, I've seen it. I mean, you can't score 140 points in regulation and not have something cooking. Listen. So, and it, their defense yesterday, like the, you pointed out, was pretty good. That entire fourth quarter was garbage time. The entire fourth quarter was garbage time. The game was over in the they, third quarter. They could, the Nuggets, if they were like, if it wasn't garbage time, probably would have held them to about 100 points. I mean, that is, I mean, and the Pacers are not a bad team. No, they'd won five in a row. Yeah. You know? I mean, so we're a, not talking about like just a. a not a good team either. Not, but, you know, yeah, but they're, they're mediocre. Yeah. They're on the Nuggets level. They're firmly mediocre, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, they got Paul George, but Paul George, I mean. He, he didn't even, like, show points. up yesterday. I mean, that was just, that was a <laughs> pathetic effort on his part yesterday. Yeah. And uh, that didn't help them. But they didn't have the offense to overcome. The Nuggets were just dominant offensively. When you have a team that's that good offensively, if you just kind of improve your defense, you're going to win games. That's all you need to do. Because you know you're going to be – I mean, this Nuggets team, honestly, with the way the offense is going now, I can see them averaging over 100 points the rest of the year. It's insane. You know? People don't understand how good the Nuggets offense is now. It's just remarkably efficient and good. I saw some kid trying to argue on Twitter that uh, the Nuggets offense is not elite or something, and I was like, this guy, he should probably look at the numbers. <laughs> no, you should probably check some Jesus. numbers. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's so. Let's let's see where these guys go. You know, can they can they put something together? And that's what we've been asking them since the beginning of the year. But the damn lineups and the injuries change so much. It's it's so hard to like get a true feel for what's going to happen. But that happens to every team. Every team has injuries. The Cavs have been decimated this year. You yeah. know, yeah. so 
at some point, if you are a good team, Kenneth Freed, you got to get over 500. Yeah. And this team can do it. I mean, it's going to be it's very hard at 17 and 23 to make up that difference, but shit, man, come on. If you guys are going to put up play like that in London, that's how you should play every single game. 15 and 23. 15 and 23. Good Lord. You gave him credit worse. for what? <laughs> those two wins. I want those, I want those two wins. I mean, shit, that's eight games. Yeah, they're probably not going to get over 500 the rest of the season. But it, like, it doesn't a, a matter. Game. I mean, I, this is the, the, weird, the, the Western Conference is not as good as it used to be. The Nuggets, remember in 2008, the Nuggets squeaked in with 50 wins? I mean, they got in by... Just a, the that the Golden State team they were battling had forty eight wins. Yeah, I remember. And then that. the Nuggets had to go to Golden State and win a high pressure game at the end of the year. I'll never forget it. So well, even Melo's first year, they had to beat the Blazers in the last game of the season to go to the playoffs. Yeah, and they won. Melo hit the game winner, forty three games that year. Yeah, you know, and it was just the the difference is that the teams right now at the bottom end have embraced sucking. Teams in the Western Conference have embraced sucking. So the bottom of the bracket. Is a bunch of sunken teams. What's the other shitty thing is you look at, like, it's like, all right, the Nuggets are 15 and 23. Shit, they're probably not going to be in the playoff race, right? Oh, nope, wrong, they are. Damn it. Well, where are they from the first pick? Ah, shit, they're in the ninth. You know, they have the ninth pick right now. <laughs> this is this is why. They're going to end up with the seventh pick again. This is why people who are like, <laughs> oh, all you need, you need to be terrible or you need to be excellent. The problem is it doesn't work when everyone has decided to be terrible at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a league of, of haves or have-nots, you know? I mean, there's, like, definitely a few different... A terrible team's going to make the playoffs just by default. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the NFL. Oh. Both the Dolphins, the, oh, the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Raiders all should have given oh. up their playoff spots. Blech. Especially the Raiders. It's like, okay, dude, we're playing Connor Cook. Let's let the Broncos go to the playoffs. Blech. Yeah. <laughs> you should be allowed to hand it off to a different team in your division when you know there's no possible... Maybe we may still have Wade Phillips here if... Uh, if uh, they made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Wade. <laughs> Poor old Wade. All right, man. Is that it? I think so. How, how long have like we gone? An hour and a half. We just, <laughs> we just the, the, you, you tuned into Nate Timmons and Jeff Morton rambling for just an hour. Nonsensical rambling. But but we, we did intend to have a guest, and hopefully next week we'll be able to get him. I'm going to take a net, wrap him up in it. Well, we'll Take just have away. to get a commitment. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where these guys go from here. Uh, as usual with these Nuggets, there's a lot more questions than answers. This is so true. But, you know, listen, if the Nuggets go on a big streak, with this podcast next week may be completely different. So, What do you make of the uh, – I did see some comments that the team met with Malone. I think Gallo said it. The team had a meeting with Malone, and everything's, like, totally fine now. Um, they did after he made that um, leadership comment yeah. and leadership leaders, which is like okay. Were they, I mean, were they here? Uh, you got yeah. to see him before they left to London, right? Did they seem to be in? Yeah, I mean, this is the way I describe this: is that Malone, bit, maybe just kind of put his foot in his mouth. I, there I for said a this on Twitter, <laughs> and people like will always uh, agree with the coach because that's what people do. And I, and I agree that there were some issues that they needed to absorb, and he was a little bit correct. The yeah. problem is it, it was the same old thing with, with Michael Malone, is that his emotions got the best of him, and he stuck his foot in his mouth. And when we were in the locker room, that's the first time I've ever seen – I mean, and I've been doing this for – this is, what, five, four or five years now, uh, as I'm being at Pepsi Center. Uh, that's the first time I've ever seen Gallo respond that way to someone. 
And I was like, oh, well, this obviously hasn't been discussed before. So maybe there's some issues right now. And then I think from what I understand, the next day they had meetings. Because remember, they didn't have practice the next day. And then the following day they canceled shoot-around. Yeah. So there, I mean, there definitely was some. Uh, so I think that was when they hashed things out. There needed to be some stuff hashed out from yes. what, I've, what I've collected from my uh, yes. reporter brethrens. Yes. So they, they, that's, what, that's basically where I – they think that happened. That was shortly, it was like, what, a game or two before they left? I just want them to be good, man, you know? It's like they're, uh, they're so I, close. I miss I miss winning team. I mean, you know, it was, was kind of nice having just looking forward to the playoffs every year. <laughs> no, I fucking, uh, I love watching Jokic and Jamal Murray play. It's so fun. Me too. Me too. I wish, you know, Jamal would shoot more, but. And that'll come, you know, eventually he'll just let it go, and it's, He'll figure it out, man. He's got – he's definitely, like you were saying earlier, man, he's got – we know it. He's got something. There's something special with that yeah. kid. I think he's got the leadership abilities, which is key. Yeah. Oh, All right. Well, let's yeah. get the hell out of here. I could talk Nugget Hoops forever, but alas, we alas. shall not. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.